Roots Racing Culture is made possible in part by the contributions to PBS Utah from listeners like you. Thank you. Hey everybody, you're listening to Roots, Race, and Culture, a new podcast from PBS Utah. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your friends. All right, now let's get this thing started. Hello and welcome to Roots, Race, and Culture, a new show on PBS Utah, where we bring you into candid conversations about shared cultural experiences. Hi, I'm Daner Gerald. And I'm Lonzo Liggins. We are gonna be discussing a very hot button topic today about the subject of colorism. So what is colorism? Well, why don't we start by defining what colorism actually is? According to Merriam-Webster, here is the definition of colorism. Prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. Which makes me wonder, does having light or dark skin impact your daily life? Is there an advantage to light or dark skin right here in Utah? Well, let's find out. But first, let's meet our guests. Why don't we start with you, Darian? Hi, I'm Darian DeBrule. I'm a student here at the University of Utah. I study political science, economics, and communications. And I'm actually from Utah, so I can kind of attest to how it is in Utah. I also am mixed race, so I've kind of seen how colorism has played out in both family dynamics as well as friendships and relationships. Man, I know how that works. Edmund? Hi, everyone. Uh, great to be on the show. I'm Edmund Fong. I'm a professor at the, in the, of political science and ethnic studies at the U of U. Um, but a little bit about myself. I'm not from Utah. I'm from Oakland originally. That's where I grew up. Um, and I've lived about a decade in New York City, but now I'm here. Awesome. How long have you been in Utah? Uh, since 2008, when Barack Obama was uh, elected president. There oh, we go. Coming well, from the O. Time to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I love Oakland, though. Oakland's kind of a crazy city. Fantastic. You know, we were, we, we were discussing, you know, colorism that's going on currently today in society. And as I was doing some research for this, come across a news story about this actress. Her name is Thandie Newton. I'm sure you guys have heard about it. She recently released this apology where she talked about getting, I guess, taking roles from darker skinned actresses uh, because she was light skinned and she had more of an advantage. And I thought that was really interesting because there's other, it, it's been happening in the news lately. And there was another story about a movie right. where they were talking about, what, what, it was the right. Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda. So he did this movie called In the Heights, a very successful film. And it's about this Afro-Latin community in New York where you've spent a lot of your life. And in that particular community, people are darker skinned, they're Afro-Latin, right? But in the movie, all of these lead characters were played by light-skinned actors, just like no. what Thandi has been uh, being accused of. So there was a lot of backlash from people in that community saying that it's not an authentic representation of who they are. And so people are becoming really, really sensitive to this topic. And so we want to hear your perspectives on this as well. Now, you say that you're from Utah and you've seen colorism play out in your family. Is that with your sisters? How, explain that to us. Yeah, so actually most dominantly with my sisters. So me and my two sisters, we're all mixed race, but we're all of a very different complexion. My youngest sister is what people would classify as dark skin. And my middle sister is white passing. And then I'm kind of in between. And just even seeing their experiences growing up in comparison to mine, I've seen that my middle sister, she doesn't deal with as much racism or hardship when it comes to race just because she is white passing. People assume that she's white until they see her really curly hair. 
But my youngest sister, she's actually had to deal with a lot of problems regarding racism and kids talking about her skin color and saying she doesn't belong because she is so dark. And so people are more aware of her differences, if that makes sense. Wow. So this is, Definitely. are you guys close together in age? We're not close in age. So I'm 21 and then she's 12 and nine. Oh, wow. Ooh. So you're not yeah. there to wow. back them up and help I'm them not, out. In I'm this not situation. there to back them up. So I can kind of talk to them about it. And I remember even sitting down with my mom. And I told her that my youngest sister is going to have the hardest time when it comes to race issues. And my mom didn't really understand. But then as I did my research on colorism and she read my paper, she was like, oh, I see what you mean now. Yeah, especially when it comes to dating. We'll get into that mm -hmm. in a minute. So how about you, Edmund? Professor Fong, in, in the Asian culture, how does the lightness or darkness of your skin tone affect people's lives? Yeah, well, colorism is a huge issue, you know, across Asia. Um, you know, here in the United States, I mean, it, it's so, you know, intertwined with racism so that, you know, I think for Asian American communities, there's more prevalence, less, less so on skin tone than on just, you know, other features or, you know, around aspirational whiteness or whatever. Oh, okay, okay. So, what is aspiration? Yeah, define well, that's that. a kind of fancy <laughs> term that academics throw around, jargony term. But yeah, basically, you know, sort of a, a aspiring to standards, whether they be skin uh, tone or other sort of features or other sort of cultural norms that are associated with, you know, whites. Okay, so now, do you see this in your family at all? Do you, do people uh, tend to want to have lighter skin? Where do you fall in that? Well, so I would sort of situate myself somewhere in the middle in terms of skin tone variations. And I think there isn't a whole lot of variation within my immediate family around skin tone. So we didn't really have, or I, I can't really say that that was by itself a really strong feature, but certainly race did sort of shape kind of, you know, our environments growing up, me and my sister, right, where we're sort of impacted by, caught in that picking order, if you will, of those who are more able to pass it with the cool kids, you know, all that stuff, and, wow. and dating as well. So. Okay, well, um, I'd like to hear from either one of you about the dating thing now, so. <laughs> Let me how... jump in on that train, too, when we talk about dating. <laughs> how... You benefit, because you're light-skinned. <laughs> maybe, oh, here we... maybe. Okay. We'll, we'll get into that discussion. Why don't, why don't, let's start with you. I want to hear your experience with dating. Um, so my experience of dating in Utah was kind of different. There's just not a lot of black men and the black men that are here, they do tend to like white women because that's what they're socialized around. You can't fault people for wanting what they're socialized with. But when I came to college, something that stood out to me, and I will say that I do benefit from colorism in this way and that I'm mixed. Mm -hmm. So technically I'm what most black men would want. They want a mixed race woman or a light skinned black woman. Yes, and I remember I would talk to some of my guy friends and they'd be like, I would never date a dark skinned woman because I don't want my kids to be dark skinned. Ooh, really? Man. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's... And I was like, first of all, that's not so probably something you should say, but I think it speaks to something <laughs> of how there's such a self-hatred within the African-American community of having dark skin mm -hmm. and they know the struggles that come with having darker skin and they don't want to give that to their children. So by wow. being with somebody that's white or being with somebody that's light skin, the probability of their children having lighter skin is higher. Wow. Now tell us about dating in your experience or in the Asian culture. Do you guys have some of those same issues? Um, I mean, you know, for younger generations, uh, Asian Americans, there's probably not that much skin uh, tone sort of uh, in, in terms of dating preferences. But it's something you see with older generations, immigrant, you know, I like every time I go back to, you know, the Bay Area, I have some aunties who always note how I've gotten darker since being here in Utah because we're exposed to UV radiation. 
and they'll they'll say, "Oh, you've gotten so dark," and there's not a positive connotation around oh, that. So. See, I, I've seen like when I go to stores, I'll see these lightning creams, particularly in the Asian markets. Yeah, so I'll go and get it somewhere because I'll get blotches it's sometimes. Over an eight billion dollar industry. What? So, so see, that's the is thing. It, that's I'm now not, that's Korea, China. Where where is that all this that's money? Korea, China, Philippines, India. Yeah, pretty much all all across uh, Malaysia, all across Asia. So there's a goal to be lighter. Yes. So that, and lighter has what advantage? Lighter means what? Lighter is associated with being more, uh, uh, having a higher status, wealthier, uh, more pure. Uh, is that because it's aligned with white people? Is that what, uh, see, this is, this is where colorism yeah. get, gets confusing it to gets me. Because well, it seems like we all, as like different races, we sort of put white people on this pedestal where they get to kind of sit at the top of this little hill and just be like, you can be like us and you can be, on your, you're getting closer and you're getting closer. But, and then, and then we all kind of thrive to be like that. And it seems like that's where this weird idea of colorism comes from, because there's a history of it. Yeah. And I was actually going to say, it's not just the aspiration to whiteness. It's People that are of darker skin were usually working outside, especially in the Asian American culture. Those were usually the plantation and field workers. So mm, then sure. the darker go. skin and tanning got associated with not having as high of a status. And then mm. in the African American community, it comes from slavery where light skinned slaves tended to be the house workers. And that was considered the better slave position to be in. And then those people also got educated. They learned to read and write in a way that plantation workers didn't. Mm -hmm. So then when you get into like the civil rights era or even right before the civil rights era, the black, I guess, elite, because they came from people that knew how to read and write, they were better able to get jobs mm. or kind of assimilate into white society because they had, I guess, a longer lineage of education or knowing how there to assimilate into white culture. Now, I'm going to show you something real quick. There's this picture that we found of these white slave children. Now, here's the thing about them. They look very white, but they're actually black. They're actually biracial, and then I think one of them is is what you know would be considered a quadroon or quarter black, yeah. and they use this picture, and these these would be what you would be called you know we'd call the house negroes that you and I would apparently be house negroes. <laughs> <laughs> we we would apparently be house negroes. You'd be in the field. I'd be working but, you know, hard. They use these pictures back in the day in order to gain support for the North when they were trying to fight the South and say these are the type of people that are being put into slavery these children, and so obviously the public, viewing these pictures of kids that appeared to be white, were very sympathetic and the money started pouring in. And that was one of their, their advertising tactics. That was tactics. a fundraising tactic. It was a fundraising well, tactic, and it worked, apparently. Are they Plessy versus Ferguson, the landmark Supreme Court case around segregation, the, they chose someone who was light-skinned in order to make that test case, challenging segregation. Yeah, so this has been a tactic that's been used quite a bit, colorism as a way of helping to further the cause, even though they were, you know, all people were benefiting, they used the iconic sort of white passing, passe blanc people to help sway the vote or whatever the case may be. Yeah, but when you look at today, right, like let's take for example, Vin Diesel. I think he's a really good example of celebrities today. We don't know what race he is, right? He never right. talks about his race ever. Right, he, he looks and Italian. This, right, and there's his, and he gets, he gets booked for Italian parts a lot. <laughs> and his kids, clearly, you could tell they're curly haired and they've got, they've got black in them. His wife is actually Hispanic. So his, the black part of his kids clearly came from him, but he never really discusses that openly because there's some advantage to not discussing it. Right. Which makes you wonder, what is the advantage of not discussing race in our society? You know, why would he not want to talk about his, his, the black part of himself?
What do you think? I think because if you don't talk about the black part of yourself, you can more easily assimilate into white culture, especially with people that are white passing, because unless they explicitly say, hey, I am black, people aren't gonna group them that way. And so I think that goes to show that there is a disadvantage to being black and being dark skinned if people aren't even wanting to claim it. And to bring up something you brought up earlier, you said that it's easier for, I guess, voters to digest. I honestly don't think Barack Obama would have been elected if he was of uh, darker skin or if he wasn't as able or readily able to assimilate into white culture. You right. read my mind now. Well, as Joe political... Biden called him clean looking. Oh, right? clean so back looking. In, back in the day, yeah. Yeah, so, so as a political science professor and expert on the subject, do you think that that has some benefits as far as someone with political aspirations? Darker skin or lighter skin? Either or. Well, I think it's clear, it's been extensively studied, that lighter skin tone is correlated with your chances of success as a political candidate. And wow. That's been studied, so. Wow. But you know, that brings up another topic. We were, we were speaking earlier in the green room, and you were talking about colorism is not just about skin tone, it's also about features. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it, to me, it seems like it's also about how you behave, you know, it, that's in direct correlation with white people. Like, the more you act like them, Yes. the more that seems to be like kind of acceptable. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Can yeah, on that? and growing up in Utah, I was assimilated around a lot of white people. So people are always like, oh, you're whitewashed, which I don't necessarily think is a great term because I don't necessarily think talking proper or dressing a certain way or acting a certain way means that you're whitewashed. But that's something that a lot of people, they do believe and they do see. So. Well, there are certain expectations and I wonder, as far as what you've experienced in Asian culture, do people have expectations of you're Chinese enough or no, you seem a little whitewashed? Does that happen? I mean, it is, there is in Asia. I mean, you know, I grew up in the US, but then we've, the first time I visited Hong Kong where my family's from, my parents are from, um, yeah, I mean, there was a clear kind of stigma. You know, there's a term for it called ABC, American-born Chinese, and it's generally, again, not a positive connotation. Or, you know, the sense is we're not authentic Chinese. Or oh, you're whatnot. not Chinese yeah, enough, right? Chinese ABC, enough, like you're right. basic. <laughs> yeah. And then here, you know, that's, the, you know, the, being caught in between. Here, then you're sort of caught in the pecking order between white and black, you know, and often... Right you know, not, you know, model minority, right? That's where that comes in, where, you know, you're still a minority, but you're, you know, quote unquote, a model minority, whatever that means. So. Well, you know, that's interesting because, you know, a lot of, I, I hear this from Lonzo a lot, that a lot of people in, in white society kind of look at Asians as like the perfect example of what minority people should be doing. Which Asians, education. that's the thing. That's yes. the trick with yeah, it. Yeah, very so, so, so there's a really trick to that, yes. that little model minority thing. Tell us about that. Well, skin color is a big part of that as well. Right. I mean, you know, generally sort of East Asian countries, again, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, which tend to have lighter skin tones are generally, you know, seen as are given preference as opposed to, you know, sort of more southern based Asians, right? Oh. Southeast Asia or what have you. Wow. That's fascinating. Well, it seems like skin tone in particular, like with people who may be light skinned, sometimes they'll use race to their advantage. For example, Halsey. Okay. You guys know who she is. She's the singer. She is openly, well, she's biracial, but people can't tell that she's biracial. She looks white, right? And so people, and, and she openly talks about being black. It's, it's, it's an advantage for her. I'm guessing it's because of the music that she's doing, yeah. but she could just as well do that music. Mariah Carey's the same way. She could just as well do that music and say, look, it doesn't matter what race I'm doing. You like my music, buy my albums, why not? Well, on the flip side of that coin, is there an advantage to having dark skin? Is, is, is what I'm asking, yes. basically. 
I would say so. <laughs> I said he <laughs> Emphatically. <laughs> Aside from the melanin protecting us from those UV rays you talked about, <laughs> um, I think that, that there is some identity crisis that can be dealt with when you're somewhere in the middle, right? For me, I've been black my whole life, always known that I'm black. I don't shy away from that fact. And I don't have that you issue. Can't shy away from well, no, I mean, there's plenty of, like you saw, like there's aspirations of whiteness, right? So, right, 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 right. I mean, but but there's a there's a side of me that's really grateful that I have darker skin because it makes me feel like I have to find comfort in that. And that there's people that I walk down the street, I look at them and we just give them the nod. Like, I know what you're going through. You know what I mean? It's like this, it's this instant bond that, shows the connection of that shared cultural experience, right, right. That, that, that we have. And it's, it's curious to me, do you guys ever think that there would be an advantage? Like you said, you're sort of middle ground when it comes to Asian. Do you find that good, bad? I don't see that being a sort of positive thing in Asian American cultures, but I mean, there is, you know, there's street cred sort of attached to kind of having darker skin, right? right. So I there think especially go. in the US, right, I think that can play to the advantage of people, um, especially people who, you know, I think want to sort of appear like they have more street cred and right. actually may darken their, you know, skin skin tone. Well, yeah. think about it, why Ariane people, and, and why comes, people go, and get tans and, and a lot of creams. And it's not like Asia, they're trying to get lighter. A lot of them are trying to get darker, right? Because, and they're trying to appear black culturally, whether their hairstyle, you know, there's a, one of the actresses, um, who was it, Kanye's oh, former? Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian got in a lot of trouble because she did a whole photo spread where she was doing photos like these iconic black female pictures over the years, celebrities. And, and so I think that a lot of people want to appear black as well because it's street cred, like yep. you said. Well, and, and to go back to your, your question about dating, how, how was it for me? That was a challenge for me as well because, and I'll tell you why, it, it, and, and, and I didn't have issues when it came to white women because I was, we were just talking about this yesterday because I was considered to be like this, this, this gateway drug, this intro into black men because they could just come in and just, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he coined that phrase. Oh I mean, I'm <laughs> but here was, the, here was the problem that I had when I would want to date a black woman, okay? or women that like black men, I was never black enough. They'd always say, ah, oh, you, you, you talk yeah. this way, you, you, you know, and they would go, they would, they would want the darker skinned brothers and they would say, that's the guy that I want. When it comes to acting, because I'm an actor, so when it comes to getting parts, Dana walks in the door and I walk in the door, we might, he, he might get chosen over me because they're looking for a black actor. They might look at me and say, well, is he black? Is he Puerto Rican? Is he Brazilian? And the minute they start asking that, I'm out, you know, and he's in, yeah. you know? Have and, you and if they're looking for that type of thing, you know what I mean? Let me ask you this, have you ever been mistaken for uh, another race or anything like that? Well, yeah, growing up in Oakland, I think people, you know, people often would think I was Mexican. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did you work that to your advantage? Did you? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it, it puzzled me at the time, but yeah. Yeah, missed out on some opportunity there. Yeah. <laughs> it's Opened up the dating pool at but, least. Yeah, I mean, getting back to what was said, I yeah, I did kind of enjoy sort of playing both sides if I could, right? So there were certain advantages of, you know, you know, mixing in with different sort of crowds. So. That's good. Yeah. There's a, there's a there's a definite flexibility there that allows you to have some social advantages. 
Yeah. I bet we get Domin we get Dominican, right? <laughs> well, for me, people would be like, what are you? I remember that was a question, or where are you from? But when they ask where are you from, they're not asking what state I'm from. They're asking, what country? yeah, yeah, yeah. what country or what's your racial or ethnic background? And I think, I mean, it's obvious that I probably have some black in me, but they're kind of trying to figure out the rest. They're like, I don't think you're completely black, so what else do we have going on here? Yeah. But I think that's something that when you're a lighter skin tone, that's what you deal with. Like, obviously, nobody's going to look at you and be like, so what are you? Right. And if they did, you'd be like, I'm obviously black. Uh, human <laughs> being? <laughs> oh my gosh, I used to tell people that. I finally got to the point where I was like, I'm a human. And they'd be like, oh, and I'm like, yeah. I know there's a term that they've, they've said about you before in the dating area, and we're gonna talk about that, but what can we in this area and community of Utah do to help with this issue of colorism? Do you guys have any insights or from your own perspective on that? Yeah, I think a big thing is to stop using terms like whitewashed or attributing how people talk or the way they interact with society as being white and just kind of seeing it as them as a person instead of, I guess, associating it with their race. Or not calling you exotic. I'm sure you've had okay, that. Okay, yeah, or that. That would help too. Yeah, not referring to people as exotic or asking people like, what are they or stuff what like that. You? Yeah. That's great. How about you, Professor Fong? I mean, I think Utah has this reputation of being really sort of homogenous and white. I mean, the more we can sort of muddy that, literally, I think, you know, the better. Because, right? you know, the more diverse the state becomes, the more you see people and interact with people who are a variety of different cultures, skin tone, what have you, the more they'll sort of challenge whatever assumptions they have about what they prefer and what they don't. That's great. Uh, humanize sort of these issues. That's great. So are you going to stick around for a while? Do you like it here? Yeah, this is my home now. <laughs> Excellent. I, I mean, I, like I said, I came here when Barack Obama was ele elected, and now I've lived through the Trump years, hopefully the final Trump years. Yeah, this is my home. We're lucky to have you. Thank you. We'll get back to this conversation on roots, race, and culture in just a moment. PBS Utah is also home to other dynamic podcasts. More Than Half covers some of the most challenging issues facing women in Utah and how it takes all of us to make change happen. Here's a clip from the episode, A Separate Space. I don't think a lot of people realize that it's just not common for people of color, especially women of color, to see themselves in the stories that, you know, we're reading. Subscribe to More Than Half wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to Roots, Race, and Culture from PBS Utah. Yeah, I want to get into our discussion about almost the history of it. When you were mm -hmm. talking about, you know, the way you, you, you touched on something that really hit me. And it was being called whitewashed mm -hmm. and being told, you know, how you speak and how you behave and how you act. That, that really that hit close to home because I heard that a lot growing up. I'm sure you've heard it. I'm sure yeah, you know, I've heard, heard it. it as well. Can you elaborate on that? Talk a little bit more about the history of it. Because you wrote a great paper about it. And we'd like Thank to hear you. a little bit more of, number one, how we got to where it is with, yeah. with colorism, but also why it is that black people face that constant pushback with being called whitewashed if they talk a certain way. Yeah, I think black people face that constant pushback of being called whitewashed. I think more so than other minorities because they had to try even harder than other minorities to assimilate into white culture because our culture is not so different, but Africa, you know, and they came here. And I think just over time, they had to figure out a way, okay, how can we best assimilate into white culture? And a lot of people did that by saying, okay, we're not gonna use I guess, AAV, 
African-American vernacular English, whatever, or we're gonna shy away from those things because that's what will make us appear wider. That's what will get our foot in the door. As opposed to, I guess, when you're Asian-American, when you're the model minority, you have other obstacles you have to get over when it comes to being getting your foot in the door, but you don't have to worry about people saying, oh, you're not educated enough, or oh, you're too black, or oh, you're too those things. And so, yeah, and so I think over time, just as a way to survive in both corporate and just in society in general, that's kind of what African-Americans had to do. Right. Yeah. And yeah. did you ever feel like you were facing something where people were saying that you were whitewashed or like when you went to China, did you ever feel like that ABC thing was a negative thing? How about your personal? Like, well, yeah, I mean, going back to Asia or back to Asia and visiting for the first time, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a certain stigma about being assimilated as Western, yeah. right, and therefore not authentically Chinese. Here in the States, you know, growing up, I mean, again, I grew up in the Bay Area. There's tons of Asian Americans, tons of Chinese people. So there wasn't that kind of uh, intense stigma around either being too Chinese or not enough Chinese. Yeah. But, you know, my wife is from the, you know, East Coast. Uh, she's Korean and there weren't a whole lot of Koreans where she grew up. And so, you know, what I've noticed and I kid her about is that there was much more of a stigma around, you know, identity issues of being sort of, you know, Korean um, yeah. back there. So yeah. it can play out in different ways, um, I think. Yeah. I, I have a question for both of you. What What is um, the most personal or traumatic experience that either you, a friend, or even someone in your family may have had regarding this topic of, of colorism or whether or not you are white enough, dark enough, Chinese enough, black enough? You know, ha have you ever had anything that really tested your sense of self-worth or identity? Yeah, for me, growing up, I was called an Oreo. They're like, oh, you're black on the outside, but you're white on the inside. And it's like, well, first of all, I don't want to be compared to a food. That's great as Oreos are. <laughs> but also, I guess the at the broader picture of it all is it's like, I don't understand why people are calling me white on the inside when the issues I deal with day in and day out are the issues of a black woman. Mm -hmm. Like just because they think I talk white or because I have a lot of white friends, that doesn't mean that when I go and experience the world, I'm experiencing the world as a white woman because I'm not. I deal with the disadvantages that I'm placed in because I'm obviously a black woman. So just hearing those things kind of would hurt me because like, like I talked about earlier, I don't see how somebody can be white on the inside. I don't think there's certain personality traits of white people. And I think by continu continuing to say things like that, we're discounting other races or even just personality differences in the same race, you know? Yeah, so but it's almost like they're disregarding your pain and, mm -hmm. and the challenges that you're facing Yeah. because it's like, oh, you're, you're white on the inside. So everything's mm -hmm. great for your life, but it, doesn't necessarily mean that's okay. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's, I just want to touch on that real quick because you, you mentioned um, what it feels like to be, you know, white on the inside or, 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 or be told that. I think that's one of the legacies of slavery, right? Because we don't, unlike, you know, the Asian culture, we don't, we don't have a language, right? We don't have a culture that we can say, this is what our definition of success is as black people, or this is what we've learned. I mean, if you were to take 10 different black people and put them in soundproof booths, booths and ask them, you know, what you think black culture is, you're going to get 10 different answers. You know, mm -hmm. whereas you'd put 10 Jewish people or 10, you know, Asians or 10 people from India from different booths, you're going to get a similar answer out of all of them because they're, they've been able to keep their cultures intact. Part of the ugly legacy of slavery is that our culture got dismantled. And so we, we, we kind of, you know, some people, they grew up in different areas and so they speak a certain way and in other people, they grew up primarily around black people. I was watching this 
a documentary about Chicago today, and the guy said, you know, I live in an area where I don't see any white people ever, mm. ever. I yeah. don't see them, you know? And he said, I, I, I only see black people. He said, the only time I see white people is they come through here as cops and arrest us or something like that. <laughs> you know, so his idea of what being black is, is gonna be different from what ours is. When we walk out the door and all we see are white people. Right. Yeah. So I think that's, that's, that is, that, that's a harmful term you know, Oreo, because it's it's not taken into consideration how we got scattered as slaves into different areas and how we got there. It doesn't discredit our blackness. Yeah. yeah I mean, the real related term for Asian Americans is banana, right? I mean, being, really? So, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've heard that. What is yeah. it? Banana is like your yellow on the outside. Banana is your yellow on the outside and then, you know, pale or white on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. so, is that like the ABC kind of thing? It, well, no, this is more like the Oreo. <laughs> this, is the Oreo. Okay. This, is the, this is the Asian Oreo. <laughs> Wow, I never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And and so what what would be something that you would do or say that would cause someone to refer to you as a banana? Well, I mean, I if if someone like Asian American is acting like so, you know, obviously, you know, sort of white, right? Or disdaining having wanting any association with, you know, their Asian culture, right? there. Um, yeah. Then someone might say you're you're acting like a banana or something like so that. So is that? Right? But so, now I want to dig into that. Now, does that mean like the the way you speak, yeah. the way you dress? Like, what is like a specific example? It could mean like yeah, you refuse to like speak you know your native language, your native Asian language. It mm. could mean what if you don't know it. Well, yeah, if you don't know it, then that's a, you know, double whammy right there, right? I mean, it's sort of getting at what you're saying about, you know, having sort of your, that connection with your sort of, you know, ancest ancestral cults, your, your roots being sort of severed in some ways or challenged. Um, but it could mean just, yeah, kind of acting uppity, if you will, right? Wow. I mean, or... What about if you were, like, dating a white person? Yeah, so that could be a part of that, too, a way to sort of express... Is that, is that your... an issue in, in Asian culture? Like, oh, when yeah. an Asian person is dating a white person? Yeah, and it plays them? out in gendered ways. I think it's generally more prevalent among Asian-American females. You okay. Know, sort of the preference for, you know, white males. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is has... Is that been... their preference? Is... Well, that has been studied. I mean, I don't want... It's not across the board, obviously. Sure, sure. Right, but I think that's more prevalent. And there is a perception among Asian-American males that, you know, they are lower on the on the rung and desirability rung. And so... In the totem oh, pole yeah. of dating type yeah. of thing? And yeah, so that might actually that. make it even more intense for Asian-American males to aspire to, you know, a bit dating a, a, a white female, right? So. Now, is that considered like if, if you're an Asian American male and you're dating or married to a white female, does that up your street cred, your social capital? Do people still call you a banana or is it like, oh, you've risen above? It wouldn't up your street cred, okay. but it would certainly, you know, you could say that it raises your social capital. Right. Oh. I mean, you know, these are standardized standards of beauty that affect all different groups, you know, in the U.S., you know, more or less. Right? I think the standards of beauty is a great term. Yeah. And to go off of that, also black men in America, if you have a white, if you're married to a white woman or a light skinned woman, you are seen as having higher social capital. So that's why you'll often see professional athletes or rappers sure. or even very successful businessmen that are black. They do tend to date and marry white women or light skinned women. Yeah, that's uh, guilty as charged. Well, there is this thing where, you know, to your point, where in, in the black community, there is a huge stigma of interracial dating, you know, nowadays even more so than, than ever, which I find bizarre. You know, I, I, I'm troubled by it because we, we fought so hard to be able to get to the point to where we could do whatever we wanted to do.
Right. And all of a sudden we talk, we, we, we tell each other, you can't do what you want to do, right. <laughs> you know? And, and that's such a weird, weird place for me. It's, it's strange because you wonder about the idea of equality. Uh, you know, we can all have this equal ground in terms of employment or education or all these social things. But then when it comes to the building of a family, mm. all of a sudden there's some do's and don'ts and some good and bad things. Now you said you're Chinese and your wife is Korean. Yeah. Was yeah. that tough for you? That's is that considered interracial dating in, in Asian culture, or is that considered no? You're not just, interracial, but it, I mean, there are sort of ethnic tensions there. I mean, not my wife, but my first girlfriend was Korean, and my mom, you know, just refused to to meet this person yeah. right, and tried to shut it down. So yeah. I mean, that sort of interethnic, international sort of uh, Asian sort of rivalries, you know, uh, do play out. Is there a pecking order with the countries? Like, is there like with Asian, excuse me, with Japanese and with Chinese and with Korean? Oh, yeah. Is there like, you're, yeah. you're not like Tell us, us about it. I, yeah. want to know. I really want to know. I mean, my mom was pretty, you know, she's old school, sort of Chinese, and sure. she had a prejudice against, you know, Vietnamese people. Right. Vietnam. Uh, yeah, okay. Vietnamese people. And so, yeah, there, you know, as part of our kind of global order, the global north, right? So there's, you know, China, Japan, Korea are generally seen as the most prosperous sort of um, um, Asian, you know, cultures and, you know, especially Southeast Asians, right? The, and Filipinos, they are kind of on the lower sort of, you know, uh, uh, order of preference. So. Wow. And so that that is especially for, for like the older generation yeah. when it comes to relationships and families oh, and dating, yeah. Yeah. they kind of like stick with that. Yeah. And skin color does play, it didn't play a role for me, um, but I think for some sort of Asian American communities, especially South Asian communities, yes, yeah, skin color does matter for, you know, your parents' approval of your marriage, you know, prospects. Wow. So it's a distinction of, 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 of it's a form of colorism, but, but, but via the, the, the countries, almost yeah, like with black people, it's a form of colorism when Africans don't like Jamaicans and Jamaicans mm -hmm. don't like Americans and right. Americans don't like this. And it's, it's, it's this strange right. sort of circle of colorism that plays out in different forms. Well, I always wonder about British black people. Well, really <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I can't stand that. Yeah. Because they're doing, they're playing African-Americans, right? Yeah. But, but I, I just really, I, I, I even catch myself, you know, whether you're black from Canada or England or whatever, you can, I'm like, yeah, they ain't black, <laughs> like, you know, but, but but they are, right? I mean, the, the diaspora is, it, we're all black, you know, because we're all from Africa and we all have a shared cultural experience. And, yeah. you know, I really just want to thank you guys for sharing your cultural experiences because yeah. one of the it's things great, that, guys. yeah, one of the things I'm taking away from this, that it doesn't matter where you're from or what ethnicity you are, you know, everybody deals with their version of these same issues. Yeah. It's not just in America. And that's, that's really eye-opening for me. And can I say one more thing? Absolutely. I would just like to say that I think that as each minority group, we have to combat colorism and these things in our own minority groups before we can really take on the challenge of equality within other races as well. So it's like, how can we fight so hard for equality versus white people when we don't even have equality within our own race. Exactly. I love there that. you go. I love there you that. go. Practice what you preach. Exactly. Right? And we didn't get a chance to hear, you know, the history of, of, of mm -hmm. you know, colorism. But for those of you who do want to check it out, you can actually go online to her uh, website. And uh, I think it's your, how can we read the colorism paper? I published it on Medium. So That's I can right. send you the link. Yeah. I'll, 
Great. Send you guys the link. Awesome. You can share yeah, so media. Thank you. you. It's a really great paper. It's 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 insightful and it gives you. And you have a book. Background. Tell us what your book is. Oh, I, I well, I wrote a book a few years ago that's looking at American exceptionalism uh, and race um, and how those two are kind of polar opposites. So. I mean, um, and I'm working right now on a book looking at how we use race to tell political time in this country, whether the country is moving forward or going backwards. Or fantastic. So. Well, What's we'll the book share called? Those. Um, uh, race against time. That's Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, we Friday right that's there. It. Well, you got, we're gonna find send us information about that. We want to post these links on the PBS website. Thank you guys for coming again and sharing your stories and your experiences with us. This has been a fantastic experience discussing this with you guys. Love it. Yeah, thanks for having Thank us. You for having thanks, guys. Yeah. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of Roots, Race, and Culture. Check out our website for even more content, including interviews with some pretty dope BIPOC business owners. You can find all that in a bag of chips at pbsutah.org roots. And you'd be doing us a solid if you told all your friends about our show. But until next time, y'all, we are out.